everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by the T's. Jeff, we have airplanes falling out of the sky. It is 2021. We are approaching the one year mark of the COVID, the COVID. Who knew we'd still be here, right? It's certainly not me. Crazy times, honestly. 2021, never going to get on a United flight ever, I guess no, it turns out. No, I feel like you're kind of maybe a Delta kind of guy. <laughs> Definitely a Delta guy, but I feel like I'm going to be a, an apartment guy, never leaving. I'm a hermit now. Uh, that's what COVID's <laughs> done to me. So we podcast, we do some work, and uh-huh. then we rinse and repeat. Do it again. Do? Yes, mm-hmm. we do. <laughs> Speaking of, if yeah. you liked our interview last week with Zenda Walker, stylist, marketing executive, author, multi-hyphenate, Make sure you subscribe, you rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, at Read the Tees, and send questions to us at volumeupatthetees.com. I've heard we've got some really interesting questions at volumeupatthetees.com. So, hey, thanks, everyone. Keep them coming. On today's episode, we interviewed the industry icon, Ted Gibson. He's an independent salon owner, influencer, celebrity hairstylist to names like Annie Hathaway, and yes, it is Annie. So everyone's been saying Anne Hathaway, and that is wrong. And he sort of slid in a reference to the Devil Wears Prada, and I got him on it. And I was like, you know what? That blue sweater you fished out of a bargain basement shop, I I set that. It is cerulean blue. And he was like, I actually cut Annie's bangs for that scene. And I was like, what? All right. All right, you win. You win. Okay. Also, <laughs> hairstylist to Angelina Jolie and many more. You can hear all about it. His work has appeared in publications such as Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Marie Claire, Vanity Fair, W Allure, and also backstage at runway shows, Chanel, Prada, Dolce & Gabbana. I mean, literally, he has lived the life and he could not be a kinder, more gentle, loving soul. I really, really like him. And it was a wonderful, wonderful interview. So enjoy everyone. But before we get there, we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about, right? I mean, besides airplanes falling out of the sky, there's some big news in the podcast world. Turns out there's these guys, these unknown people. I don't even know why we're talking about them here (laughs) because, you know, who, whatever. But like Renegade something, something, this little... Mm. I think people might have heard of President Barack Obama, maybe Bruce Springsteen. I think so. The Mm -hmm. boss. They've teamed up, turns out. Welcome to the pod world. Turns out that we are actually rising up the ranks in the beauty and fashion listing on the Apple pod. Got that news today, which was pretty killer. Kind of made my day. So former President Obama and Mr. Springsteen, we see you. Welcome. Have any tips? Do we? Do you have any tips for former President Obama? Or uh, you Mr. know, Bruce I Springsteen? feel like I feel like both the boss and the boss, mm-hmm. the boss uh, are going to be boss just boss. just Ooh, yeah, boss the boss. Exactly, I feel like they're going to be just fine without my pro tips, um, particularly because yeah, one of the bosses fair. has access to Michelle Obama. I feel like yeah. she could just, you know, immediately train the heck out of that guy. <laughs> For sure. My pro tip and where I struggle is don't 
speak too loud and they mm. might, you know, they're both forces of nature. So they're going to have to share the mic like you and I. And only one of them says guitar. So I saw some <laughs> You don't say guitar. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's a pro tip. Don't say you guitar. Know. President Obama. I don't <sighs> think he would dare. I just don't think he would dare. <laughs> Speaking of things that are happening in the world, thetease.com, our editorial team is hard at work as always, bringing you the newest and latest, greatest things that are happening in the industry, brands that you don't know about, but you definitely should. And here are some of our favorite headlines from Matisse.com from this week. Kelly, what's up for you? Yeah. Okay. So Wella Company's Beauty and Vision Awards, which is like one of the premier, if not the premier competition for beauty and hair pros looking to elevate their skills and so showcase their creativity. We've had a year we brought challenges, but this competition is the chance for them to come together. Maybe you've been practicing on some mannequins, right? Doing some different styles. Let's do it, right? Let's enter the competition. So entries are open on January 15th. Semifinalists will be judged online in a judging panel of top industry professionals. 10 semifinalists per category will be named on June 4th. Check out Wella Ed on Instagram for all the details. Love that. Big moves. 2021, airplanes dropping out of the sky, but international yep. competitions for hair are back. We love to see it. Get all the deets on the website. One thing that I'm really obsessed with right now is an article that we've got on the tease.com, but also a platform. So Zarina mm -hmm. Akers famously worked with Beyonce for a number of years, has launched with Beyonce's help, Black-owned everything. Uh, it is a website that has a million different Black-owned brands, uh, sort of spanning everything that you guys would be interested in. If you are looking for the latest and greatest, this is somewhere you should definitely go. We did a quick story on all of the offerings, uh, but really, it, we can't do it justice. Go to the go to thetease.com, then head it to the website. You're going to love it. You'll find something for everybody. Maybe Lots yourself. of things cooking over there, thetease.com. I like it. Jeff, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview because... Ted Gibson has done it all. I mean, and he is, he with a gracious heart and a smile that could light up a room and dang it, I'm his new biggest fan. He's incredible. He has a point of view. He has a position. He has things to say about what's happened this last year and how we can move forward. And even he's taken things into his own hand by creating a nonprofit that is helping to move the needle forward for professionals. So thank you to Ted Gibson for using your platform, your voice to motivate us and to make change. Ted, it's you. It's Ted Gibson in the flesh. Thank you so much for being here. I'm beyond excited. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm so glad to be here today. Thank you very much for <laughs> giving me the opportunity to tell my story and yeah. to kind of shed some light on being a salon professional, professional hairdresser for this many years. You know, I always say that with the beauty school license, the things that I've been able to do, and I'm so, so, so fortunate that I have been able to, with that beauty school license, have been a beauty school teacher, have been an educator for major corporations. I have uh, owned four salons. I've had two successful product lines. 
I have worked um, backstage in New York, Milan, Paris, and London, ready to wear and couture. I have worked on some of the most A-list celebrities in the world, some of, some of the most famous women, editorial, covers of magazines, you know? So I can say that being a hairdresser is the most amazing career that I could have ever chosen. And I'm so grateful to, to be able to be a hairdresser. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, uh, just peeking in a little bit of your story, and mm-hmm. I would love to to have you kind of talk about where you started. I knew that you were born in Texas to a military family, traveled mm-hmm. a lot, and maybe that sort of opened up your eyes, but I'd love to to learn how it all started, back to okay. the beginning. Well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little Black kid from Killeen, Texas. My dad was in the military, so we traveled all over the world. I say that I'm a Texan, um, because that was the place I lived the longest. And now that I had lived in New York for 20 years, New York is the place that I've lived the longest, but I still say that I'm a Texan because if you know any Texans, <laughs> we're very proud to say I'm a Texan. I um, am an only child. My dad, um, you know, the reason why he decided to go into the military is because he's from Georgia and he didn't want to pick cotton anymore. So I was really grateful for the idea that my dad Um, decided to go into the military because I think what the military did for him and me as well is he was able to see the world and I was able to see the world. And I think that that during that time as a kid, it really helped me to um, kind of understand different aspects of beauty. And, you know, as a creative, as a person who really truly believes that it's, a, it's all about the individual that's beautiful. And my responsibility as a hairdresser is to bring that out in them. And I feel like that that's kind of been my platform from the beginning of, um, since I was a little baby. Say, I love that you say you're a creative because certainly you are. Well, Did you know you. that early on? Were you into art? Were you into, you know, creating with your hands? At a I young think age that I well? was, but you know, my dad, a major in the army was not allowing his only son to play with hair. And I think I remember that moment where I wanted to play with the baby doll or I wanted to play with the Barbie or whatever, and he wasn't having it. You know, I think there are no mistakes. I believe that everything has happened for a reason and everything is for my good. And my trajectory was that I was supposed to play football for the Dallas Cowboys. And from there, I was going to open a slew of restaurants. I had this whole plan together. <laughs> That's exactly what was going to happen for me. And I decided in the 10th grade that I didn't want to play football anymore, that um, it wasn't the right path for me. So when I graduated high school, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I sold newspaper advertising for the local newspaper, which is Colleen Daily Herald, and it's still around. What's the circulation on that sucker right now? I don't know. I wonder. (laughs) My mom is 90. She still lives in Colleen. She wants her newspaper every single day. All right. Like it's snowing there today. And she's like, "Um, where's my newspaper? I'm like, mom, your newspaper's not coming. There's six six weeks. So you're not getting your newspaper <laughs> So sorry about that. But um, as I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, I, you know, I kind of always wanted to be famous. There was always a piece of me that wanted to be All famous. Right. And when I decided that I wanted to be a hairdresser, a good friend of mine in Austin, Texas, uh, was a hairdresser. And one New Year's Eve, I said to him, I said, you know, Ron, I said, you know, I kind of about thought about being a hairdresser. And he said, oh my God, you should do it. You'd be great at it. And I said, really? He said, yeah, you should do it. I said, but this is the challenge. Like I'm selling newspaper advertising during the day. I can't afford to quit my job. What, what do I do? He said, well, maybe you can go part-time. 
So I ended up going part-time to barber school first. Okay. Okay. Rothler Barber College in Austin, Texas. Meanwhile, I lived an hour away. So I would go on Saturdays. And then about six weeks after having this experience of driving back and forth like that every single Saturday, I got caught wind that there were opening a barber school in Colleen. So I decided to do some research and found out that there was. Mm-hmm. And I was actually the first student at the OG School of Hair Design that's still there. Ooh. And I was the first student. And I remember how when I picked up a pair of shears and I picked up a comb and how I tingled all the way from my toes all the way to the top of my head and how I just had this moment of like, oh, this is where I should be. This is right. And that's amazing. It was, it was the perfect thing for me. Oh, I love it. Have yeah. you went back to that school and made it? I have. All I right. Have. I bet yeah, they were several, like, several what? Times. I know. Several times. <laughs> you know, I have like a little shrine on the wall. I hope so. I hope nice. you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah. Well, you know, and that was, that was in 1987. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't look it, but I'm quite old. No, you don't um, look a day over 24. <laughs> Thank you. And I, um, yeah, when I decided to to be a hairdresser, I think that it changed my mm-hmm. um, my life. And there are definitely um, certain periods of my life and my career that I really truly believe have changed me um, and have made that difference for me. So what made you move then from barbering into full-scale beauty school? I mean, did you gravitate to the color, the styling? What was it? Well, in barber school in in Texas, you learn everything. So you learn hair color, you learn manicuring and pedicuring, you learn everything. And it's so funny because in school, I said, you know, I'm going to work on on stars. I'm going to work on stars. And I didn't know what that meant. I couldn't go to cosmetology school because cosmetology didn't have uh, an, an evening program. So they only uh-huh. had during the day. So I was lucky that this um, barber college was opening and that I could go during the, in the evening for from five to 10 every single night. Okay. Wow. And meanwhile, Kelly, that took me a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. About a year and a half to do that. And okay. then I went back. That was 1,500 hours for school. Then I went back for 1,000 more hours to get my teacher's license because I wanted to be a oh. teacher. There was that moment where, you know, you would go to a hotel ballroom and you would see all of the uh, hairdressers on a stage mm. and doing education and telling you how what they're doing and wrapping perms and cutting mm-hmm. hair. And I'm like, oh, I think I want to do that. <laughs> I think I want to do that. I ended up doing that. So what would take me through the story then after school? Did you stay in Texas? Is, did I you did. make the, Okay. Yeah. I, I stayed in Clean for a short period and then I moved to Austin and mm-hmm. The reason why I moved to Austin, I'm just going to back up just a little. Yeah. Because my friend Ron that I told you about that was a hairdresser that told me that I would be really good at it. He worked at this salon in Austin, Texas. And the salon in the 90s was called Zan and Friends in the early 90s, late late 80s, early 90s. And they were the hottest people on the planet that worked there. (laughs) They wore Wrangler jeans, they wore cowboy hats, they Mm -hmm. had tight, tight, tight jeans on, they (laughs) had really great shirts, big belt buckles, and I was like, holy crap, these people are are hot, right? So I was like, I I want to work here. 
I want to be a part of these people. So the woman who owned the salon, her name is Zan Ray. Okay. And, and friends. Zan, Zan and friends, exactly. <laughs> so Zan didn't want to hire me. For whatever oh. reason it was, she didn't want to hire me. But I was one of those people that knew that she had something that I needed yeah. and something that I wanted. So I would call her just about every other day. Hi, Zan. Hi, Zan. Hi, Zan. Hi, Zan. It's me, Ted. Hi, Zan. I would call and they would be like, Ted, she can't talk to you. She, she, <laughs> oh, she's no. cutting hair. I'm like, well, tell her I called and tell her I'm going to call her back. And you know, the it. reason why is because she was the most expensive haircut in Austin. She was the first Aveda concept salon in Austin. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was something this woman had and I needed it. And she hired me finally. How long did it take? How many phone calls? It took at least nine months. Dang. And, right. what her, and what I had to do in order for her to hire me was, there were a group of trainings, self-help trainings called, one was called Money and You. Uh, there's a guy named Robert Kiyosaki that still mm -hmm. does. Do you know him? You yeah, know yeah, name? yes, okay, yes. So Robert Kiyosaki was doing these trainings with Zan oh. and a whole bunch of other people in Austin. So she said, and only the only way that I'm going to hire you is if you take this training. And I took the training. And I can tell you that I've always been a spiritual person. I've always been a person who really believes in a higher power and believes in something greater than myself. Um, and meditation and reading and writing, all that is part of my, my DNA. Okay. And after, after I did that, I was like, oh my God, okay, this is definitely the right place. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So then you fast forward to, you know, all of the celebrity hair and yeah. fashion and fashion weeks and all of the things, all yeah. of the editorial write-ups, you've been everywhere. Yes. Yeah. How did, do you remember your first kind of big break? Oh my God. Like I said earlier, there've been so many, like okay. going to Austin and working for Zam was a big break. Mm -hmm. We went to Minneapolis to do some trainings with Aveda. And that was the next big break for me. I was a beauty school at Aveda. I worked with Horst, who is mm -hmm. the founder of Aveda. I worked with Horst for seven years in total. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was in his back pocket. I would ask him for everything. Then I became a, a, an Aveda educator, a global educator for Aveda and traveled even more. And he said to me one day, he said, Ted, you have to move to New York. And I said, what? He says, yeah, I want you in New York. I think you should be in New York. You can teach at the school, you can run the salons and you can do editorial. And that, that time was a really amazing time because the celebrity hairdresser in fashion was on this trajectory that was skyrocketing. And what I mean by that is that there were still models on the covers of magazines. There weren't celebrities on covers, all still about the model. So I remember going, um, one of my mentors, his name is, uh, I've had three, well, besides my husband, Jason, he'll kill me if I don't say he's a mentor of mine. But uh, there's three people that I could say, besides my parents, who really opened my eyes to uh, the possibility. Zan is one, Horst Reckelbacher is another, and Eugene Solomon is another. And if you don't know who Eugene is, Eugene is this incredible editorial session hairdresser that's English. Um, the first show that I did with him was in Milan, and we did that season, Miu Miu and Prada, Dolce and Gabbana, Straness, and on and on and on, and I was hooked. And as I did that, I knew that Horace wanted me to move to New York, and that it just made sense that I would go to New York 
and start my career in fashion. So then, you know, from there, you did have your salon in New York, obviously now your salon in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, tell me why kind of that was the next step for you too. Well, you know, I, this was, let's see, 2000, this was the early 2000s. And when I, I have a really great story, I have built a really great reputation in the editorial. So I was doing Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and uh, Elle and uh, Marie Claire, um, US as well as international, and have built this really great reputation in the editorial fashion realm. And everything was changing, just like how it changed. And I'm going to get to what's, what's happening now. But everything ch- was changing. And Kelly, I had, as an editorial hairdresser, you lived in New York or you lived in Europe. If you were a celebrity hairdresser, you were shit and you <laughs> lived in Los Angeles. It's the truth. All right, all right. It's the truth. Okay. At this time, that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Because we as editorial, we as hairdressers that did fashion, we created the trend. Just like in Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. And she talks about the cerulean blue. Oh, you like you right? picked it out of some bottom basement store. <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can quote almost meanwhile, the whole movie. Exactly. <laughs> meanwhile, you know, and I cut those bangs on Annie Hathaway, by the way. Oh yeah. That's crazy. So the whole idea of how that if you were a hairdresser in New York, you didn't really do celebrities. You did only okay, it was like, yeah. Yeah, no, you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a cover of Marie Claire and the fashion director said to me, she said, Ted, I have this opportunity for you. And I said, what? She said, it's to shoot a cover. I said, okay, great. She said, it's a celebrity. I said, I don't really want to do celebrity. Oh, okay. Not even a celebrity on the cover. Yeah, no, No, I I don't want to do celebrities. And she said, no, no, I really think that you should do it. And I said, I don't really want to do it. She said, okay, so... This is who, this is what's happening. I said, what? She said, okay, so Marie Claire is shooting in the morning. Cosmopolitan is shooting in the afternoon. Patrick DeMarchillier is shooting it. And it's Angelina Jolie. And I said, who? <laughs> <laughs> she said, Angelina Jolie. I said, okay. Didn't ring she a said, bell? <laughs> she said, you have to do it. I said, okay. So I agreed to do it. And you know how sometimes when there's an opportunity that's presented to you and sometimes you're afraid or you feel like it's Mm -hmm. not the right thing or whatever. I'm so glad that I decided to do it because I showed up, flew to London, shot the cover in the morning with Marie Claire, shot the Cosmo cover in the afternoon. And I had, and we had a seven year love affair, Angelina and I. Oh, well. That did turn out for the best. <laughs> it turned out. So yeah, this I was, feel like yeah. that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. So as that happened, we said, look, we, everyone wanted to know who was doing Angie because I started doing this really big, 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 beautiful hair on her, yes. you know? I so, love big um, hair. Me too. Mm-hmm. So I, um, everyone wanted to know who was doing it. So I started, I the request came into my agent. So it was, you know, Angelina to Renee Zellweger to Annie Hathaway to Gabriel Union to Zoe Saldana to 
um, Deborah Messing. I mean, it just went on and on and on and on and on. And um, we said, okay, so I think the next thing we need to do is open a salon. Okay. So we opened the Fifth Avenue Salon yep. in 2003, and that salon was open for 14 years. And during that 14-year period, we had another salon in Washington, D.C. We had another salon um, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the W Hotel. Okay. All three salons running at the same time, 50-plus employees in each, 20-plus chairs. This one in D.C. had 30 chairs and eight treatment rooms. Um, monsters yeah it's a yeah. lot of that's a, a lot of overhead a lot of overhead <laughs> it's a lot of operation a lot of operation <laughs> a lot of babysitting Ooh. a lot a lot a lot of everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we did it because that's what we needed to do and I'm so glad that we did because it made my career yeah. by opening the salons because what it did is it really took my career as an editorial hairdresser and made it a brand, the brand yeah. Ted Gibson. That's what Got it did. That's what I wanted to do. Do you think you were one of the first editorial hairdressers that did go into the celebrity hairdressing then? Did you kind of um, make that a thing? I think so. I think yeah. that there were a couple, there were a few people uh, before me, of course, like Joel Warren and Edward Jacomi, okay. uh, Freda Fakai. But Freda Fakai, mm -hmm. who's a friend of mine too, his was a socialite. Um, and Warren Jacomi and um, Joel and, and they were celebrities, but it was more of uh, socialites as well. Like we were kind of rebels. We opened our Fifth Avenue salon on Fifth Avenue between 22nd and 23rd Street. Like we didn't go uptown where all the boys were and the girls were. Rita Hazan's and, um, you know, Oscar Blondie and Freda Fakai and yeah. all the, the big names in New York City. We didn't go there. We went, we decided we wanted to go a little further downtown. And it was the best thing we could have ever done because there wasn't even a Starbucks in the neighborhood when oh. we opened Fifth Avenue. And it was right across the street was Madison Square Park. It's right across the street from the Flatiron Building. Okay. So right across the street, Catty Corner, um, Madison Square Park was drug addicts. And, you know, so it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. But we knew that this area was going to be uh, super hot, and it was. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm 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 hearing a theme of like trusting your gut and intuition. Yes. Throughout all of these pieces, yeah. which yeah. probably root you back to uh, you being a spiritual man, as you mentioned. Yes. So Thank I can you. see that thread Thank throughout. You very much. <laughs> Thank you, and I still I still work on that. You know, I have a morning practice where I meditate for 15 minutes, I read for 15 minutes, and I write for 15 minutes. And I think what that does for me is it really helps me uh, to get connected to my God or my spirit or gets me clear about what it is that I want to do. I, I think it's important for all of us to um, know what it is that we want to do. Because I think a lot of people tend to um, wait or they tend to not know and they just kind of flounder. Um, but I think that the heavens are gonna give you whatever it is that you want. Um, you just have to know what that is. Yeah. And take the steps in, towards that. Yeah, and sometimes it can be a little scary. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, when we op before we opened the salon on Fifth Avenue, we lost four spaces before we opened that salon. So you're like, what, what, is, what are you Should, telling me I here? Mean, is it, are you telling me I shouldn't do it? No, is as I shouldn't do it, but no, I knew that that we we needed to open a salon to solidify the idea of a brand. 
Sure. And that's that was the most important thing. And the next evolution of your brand was the product line. So tell me yes. about that. Well, you know, we knew that we needed to come up. Horse taught me a lot when I worked for him. And he taught me about uh, marketing. He talked to me about innovation. He talked to me about, he taught me how to dress hair. He taught me all these really incredible things. And I was so, so, so fortunate to be able to um, have that time with him because a lot of people, you know, aren't as lucky. I was very, very, very lucky. He didn't throw a brush at me. You know, he threw brushes. <laughs> He would oh, cuss you out. I guess I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he he used to he would throw brushes. He would uh, cuss you out, and okay. I he had a, a certain kind of um, respect for me, and I had a certain kind of respect for him that he didn't have to do that. I listened yeah. to what he had to say, so mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, we knew that we needed to create a product that would be um, something that people would be interested in. Mm -hmm. So at that time in the early 2000s, you could um, go to bars and smoke and you could, yeah, you really could. You could be yeah, anywhere and smoke cigarettes, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a friend of mine used to use, she used to use bounce fabric softener in her hair after she went out on a dancing all night. She would use bounce fabric. I said, why do you want to smell like laundry detergent? Goes, well, because I don't have anything. I can't shampoo my hair. I said, okay, so Jason and I came with this idea that we would launch um, what was called hair sheet and hair sheet was a towelette for hair. So what it was individual packet that had uh, one of them, um, one, it came in a pink box and it had lavender, it had essential oils, vitamin A, D and E in it. You used it as a really great blowout. And then the other one was more for treatment. So when we launched those two products, we launched them at Henry Bendel. Mm -hmm. Henry Bendel is not open anymore, but that's where we launched it. Um, because Henry Bendel was kind of like an incubator for indie brands. Okay. So wow. We launched a Bendel. And then uh, we launched um, another product, a shampoo and conditioner that was innovative. What you did, it was a dual chambered bottle mm -hmm. that actually had a dial on it that um, on one side was color conditioner that was in a shampoo um, and one bottle and another bottle uh, was a color conditioner and a conditioner. So you could dial up how much color you wanted in your shampoo or in your mm, conditioner. That's cool. And people flipped. Yeah, that's cool. They flipped. They flipped. So in, in that brand, Ted Gibson, we had close to 40 products. Okay. <clears throat> and we were sold at Bendel's, uh, 35, 40 doors of Saks Fifth Avenue, um, 125 doors of Sephora, and then 1,000 doors of Target. Okay. Got it. And is that, that is not the starring line, correct? No, starring is new. Right. Okay. So yeah. why the evolution into a new line then? Well, don't laugh at me, but this is, this came from my mom's house. I think it's really funny because it's so old school. <laughs> no, so that's old school. like, you used to be able to get those at like McDonald's, didn't you? I, I know. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great because yeah. with a mask on, all I have to do is this. I love that she that she still has it. She still had it. I'm like, mom, I'm taking this. She goes, Can it's amazing. It? That's <laughs> old school water bottles. <laughs> um, so what happened was we decided to kill that brand, Ted okay. Gibson. Um, we closed um, DC first, um, and then about eight nine months later, we call closed Fort Lauderdale, and then about two years later, we closed Fifth Avenue. Okay, and 
the reason why we closed Fifth Avenue, we were seeing, this is about five years ago. We've been in LA for three, um, it'll be six years this December. What we were seeing, Kelly, is that clients were changing. Mm. The consumer was changing. Mm -hmm. And I call hairdressers consumers as well. Mm -hmm. um, the hairdresser coming right out of beauty school didn't want to go through a two-year program to, to train to go onto the floor. They wanted um, Instagram famous, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. uh, clients that were coming in, you would do their hair, then you would take them up to the retail shelf and you would show them, look, this is what I used on you. This is what I think you should take home. She would pull out her phone. She would go and blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. ah. It'd be shipped to her house. Mm -hmm. So we were thinking, okay, so what's happening is, is that the consumer is changing. This 20 plus chair salon is going to be a dinosaur. We couldn't reinvent our model. It was commissioned employees. We take people right out of beauty school, train them, get them ready to go on the floor. And then two years, a year and a half after they were on the floor, they would go down the street for four or 5% more in their commission. It just got to the point where it was yeah. this repeating thing of not being appreciated. Um, you know, you, you, it costs $30,000 to train an assistant to get them ready to go on the floor because you pay them to train them. <laughs> yeah, you were training a lot of great people for other salons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we did. That's exactly what yeah, we did. Great. But yeah, so yeah, it got that's to not, the point where yeah. like, just, it just didn't make any sense anymore. And um, I can't imagine being in New York City now through, through the pandemic and having rent that's $25,000 on the second floor of a building. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. And my heart bleeds for those hairdressers that have that kind of rent because you can't do the volume that you want you need to do in, a, in order to aim that and consumer confidence isn't where it was before the pandemic so we're hit we're hit on both sides mm -hmm. of it um so what we decided to do is close the new york salon um because it just was not working anymore it was becoming a dinosaur and i'm so glad that we did because it is different you know those yeah. And from my perspective, I'm not sure if everywhere else in the country is like this, but, you know, 20 plus chair salons just are not what people really want now. Like you said, you had Allie on um, mm -hmm. this week. And I can say that during that point where she launched Drybar, it changed the whole idea of the $85, $95 blow dry because we didn't come to the salon to get blow dry anymore sure. we go down the street and get it for $35 I mean you can't beat it and maybe it wasn't great but it would be better than what she could do for herself at home so that was yep. happened mm -hmm. bar. and then you know the the whole idea of how people bought product and shopped was different and we knew that we couldn't we, we didn't want to do it anymore yeah and now you've got uh one of the first well, probably the first smart salon in the country yes, or world. It it's the so, first salon in the world. Tell me about that. Someday I'm going to come and see it for myself. You have to. You have to. <laughs> well, you know, the whole idea of, of what we did first was we launched one product called Shooting Star Texture Meringue. Okay. 
And we knew that the distribution of the product had to be innovative as well. So we went straight to Amazon because most hairdressers don't know that all the, the manufacturers that they have, you know, $20,000, $15,000 on a shelf in their salon, warehousing the manufacturer's product, right? Meanwhile, that manufacturer sells on Amazon already and selling a lot of money on Amazon already. And it's the truth, you guys. I'm, 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 I'm a manufacturer, I have one product, but I'm telling you right now, this is what's happening. That all of these years we have warehoused essentially product for the manufacturer because we wanted to be a part of a culture and we wanna be part of something that's greater than ourselves. And I understand that, but they, we really built these brands from Aveda to Paul Mitchell to Redken to uh, you know, uh, L'Oreal to Golda, every, every single one of them, they would not have a business as it wasn't for us hairdressers. So when we decided we wanted to open a new concept, a new salon, this starring has been open for, it'll be two years in April. Okay. So it was only open 11 months before we got shut down, right? But right before we opened the salon, we went to several of those manufacturers and said, look, this is what we're doing. We're creating a space that's more of like a collective or an experience center. What we wanna do is we wanna do hair, but we don't wanna necessarily sell product where we warehouse your product. What we wanna sure. do is we wanna be able to have direct to consumer. So what would happen is she would come in, I would cut her hair, I would give her the products that I used, I would show her, she would take out her phone, she would do what she does already, and then the salon and you would get credit for it, no brainer. Mm -hmm. They laughed in our face. They said, no way, we would never ship direct to consumer, but you're already doing that because you already have a business on Amazon. Right. It, doesn't, it just didn't make any sense. So when we developed Starring, we knew that we couldn't just open a salon that was um, just a salon. We knew we had to reinvent the idea of what the salon experience is because a woman can be on an app in a short period of time, depending on where you live and have somebody at her house to give her a blowout, put on some makeup, do a lash, do uh, a manicure, pedicure, do some highlights, even a haircut um, in a matter of minutes. So in order for her to leave her house, and come to a salon, we knew that that experience needed to be more of an experience. So what we did is we created this, each of these, this is starring three, this is starring four. There are five clouds. Each of them have four LED light strips that go in the entire cloud. And it's all powered by Amazon and Alexa. Oh, that part I don't know if I dug into yes. deep enough. So if you look oh, here, this, very cool. this is starring three, mm -hmm. Alexa. Turn on creative in starring three. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. Nicole. Oh Alexa. my word. That is incredible. Was this Alexa your Alexa. kind of Alexa your Star. brainchild? It was. You know, we, um, Jason and I had thought about what that experience could mm -hmm. be. We contacted uh, Amazon and said, listen, we have this idea that we want to create the a smart salon. Mm -hmm. um, we want to reinvent the idea of what a salon experience could be as far as, you know, in the cloud, but also for shopping. Also, we don't have a front desk. 
Um, mm. We don't, nope, we don't have a front desk. Mm. We don't have any retail. A woman who wants to come to the salon, she gets out her phone, she downloads the app, she puts in a credit card, she puts in her name, she go ahead, she can book her appointment, all of that directly from her phone. That's Instead incredible. of calling somewhere. And then right. also when she's ready to go, when she's after she gets her hair done, she's ready to go. Like yeah. she's not, she didn't want to stand at a desk, mm-hmm. especially now during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, we're already social distance here in the salon because each cloud is 13 feet high, eight and a half feet wide and nine feet long. So yeah. we really designed the salon of the future and had no idea that that's really what we were doing. Oh, again, another one of those intuition moments, right? Oh, yes. I'm so Ooh, all right. For it. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't know around this time last year what we were headed for. Yeah. Um, and you have been a very vocal advocate of the industry. So we yeah, all thank, thank you, you for that. Walk us through when you first found out about COVID, what's going to happen, and all the madness that's been the last 10 months for you. Oh, my God. Isn't this something? It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. You know, the the great thing that I'm most grateful for is that all of my friends and family are healthy and yes. that um, I have known my favorite uncle passed of COVID. So, so I, I know firsthand about it, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. Everyone around me every single second is healthy. Mm-hmm. And I remember the moment where Jason and I were here at the salon and Zan who I was talking about earlier, they were going to New York for IBS. And IBS was the same weekend um, that really everything changed. So she had called us and she said, "Um, IBS is happening and, you know, we have a class and we think we're going to go. And uh, we were like, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's anything. You should just go. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's really going to be much. I think you should just go. She, her and her husband, Tom, they take off. They land in New York, they get right back on a plane and go back to Houston. Because at that moment, IBS closed. We are in California, we're like, not happening. We gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta figure out something else to do. Um, so we, we have a house in Palm Springs. So we went to Palm Springs and stayed there for four months. Wow. And I could, I mean, just like everybody else, you know, our lifestyle was about is about we would fly to New York once a month to do clients that we still had. I was still doing a lot of celebrity, the salon, mm-hmm. the house in Palm Springs that we rent out on Airbnb. And if it wasn't for the PPP mm-hmm. loan that we got um, in April of last mm-hmm. year, I don't know what we would have done. You know, a lot of people, I, I look like a baller but I'm just like, I have the most expensive haircut in the world at $2,400. <laughs> I may look like a baller, but I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. I'm a small business yeah. owner. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if I do a job, I, it takes 60 to 90 days to get paid from it if, as a freelancer. Yeah. You know, so we're all you guys in the same boat. I think mm-hmm. the most important thing is for us to remain positive and to see past where we are. Because once we can see past where we are, it's going to make that's that's the difference. Yeah. That's and I difference. hope we're heading there, right? I mean, yeah. how are you if, feeling optimistic in California? I know you've done a lot of work to help advocate and change. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, we um, were shut down um, in June. 
Um, no, from from March to, to June. And then we were open for like two or three weeks and they got shut down again. And then in August, we decided, you know what? Enough, mm-hmm. enough. We know that salons are not carrying, uh, spreading COVID. You know, we're licensed in sanitation, we're licensed in anatomy, we're licensed in all of the things that make a huge difference. We know how to keep our clients safe. We know we're going to ma- wear a mask all the time and people say we have to wear a mask. We're responsible people. And mm-hmm. what we felt like was that Gavin Newsom and the state of California was saying that we are dumb and dirty people because we yeah. can't do our job. And meanwhile, you can go to, to Whole Foods and you can go to Home Depot and you can go to Lowe's and you can go to all these places. In Wisconsin, I we have we were shut down for a little bit, but then open and you know that's the first thing I'm gonna go back to do. Yeah. Um, but it's so safe and it's so clean and it's it's really quite unbelievable. How unbelievable. Unbelievable. The industry so we had took such a hit. Yeah. Such a hit. And you know, as you say that, Kelly, the, the thing that, that really upset me is the fact that we had no support. Mm-hmm. Beauty professionals, we had no support. Like the restaurant business, I would see Danny Meyer from Shake Shack owning, you know, 15, 20 restaurants or whatever on the evening news with Nora O'Donnell talking about the restaurant business and promoting how save our restaurants, save our, but no one advocated mm-hmm. for us as beauty mm-hmm. professionals. No one, no one. The manufacturers, I feel like, did not do what they could have done. They could have at this time all band together as a collective and put in millions and millions of dollars for relief for a small business and the people that they have built their businesses on the hairdressers' backs. Because we've Mm -hmm. wear warehoused their product for so many years. For years and years and years and years have promoted your product and talked about your product and you did not help us. What you did was you decided that now you're going to say you can direct to consumer buy. Well, if you sell some product here, you can, you'll get this and this and this. That's not what we need. It's not going to help me pay my rent. Right. No. Why do you think, why do you think no one stood up to that challenge? Manufacturer wise. I wonder, I don't really know. We called them. We're, yeah. we're not we're we're not thought of always as the the go with the flow kind of guys. Yeah, I catch I'm just, that. I'm just yeah. not. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. my role. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not looking for a paycheck from you. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not saying that manufacturers haven't been good to me. I'm not saying that. But at a time when we needed it most, right. no one showed up. Like the restaurant association, they had everything taken care of. You can go to DoorDash, you can do this, you can do that, you can do this, you can do that. Meanwhile, the beauty business, we had nothing. You're right. You're right. And I bet that just kind of burns you. It made me so <laughs> mad. I mean, because I'm burning right now. <laughs> it made me so mad. Yeah. And I, I was mean, waiting for the other ones to get mad, other celebrity hairdressers and hairdressers. Yeah. Nope. It didn't. Everyone played it a little bit safe. Yeah. We don't have to play it safe. We don't have to play it safe. It's time now that we have to speak up for things that aren't right. 
Mm -hmm. And it wasn't right what they did. It wasn't mm -hmm. right. It wasn't right. Yeah. So does that leave you a little bit sour on the industry? No, not at all. I love being a hairdresser and I love mm -hmm. the beauty business and I love hairdressers and I love the fact that we are the most important people on the planet because what we do is we make, we change people's lives every right. single day. We um, create images. We are creatives. We uh, are business people. We are the backbone of this country because we are, we're women, we're minorities. We're, we're the, the, in the, in the trenches because we are small businesses mm -hmm. and we are the backbones of all our communities, our states, our countries. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are the backbone of, of, of all of that. And we had no support. So Jason and I, we looked at ourselves this year and we said, last year, and we said, what are we gonna do? So we decided we were going to um, develop a nonprofit. Okay. And that nonprofit is called Worth Up Alliance. Okay. So if you go to worthupalliance.org, you'll see more about it. Okay. It is an organization that's going to, that is helping, helping would-be entrepreneurs, beauty entrepreneurs, specifically in the beauty space, um, hairdressers, barbers, nail techs, lash experts, mm -hmm. uh, estheticians, in order to mentor them into opening their own businesses, developing their own products, mm -hmm. Um, we know our goal is to raise $300,000 by uh, the end of the year okay. so that we can give grants and give money to first quarter of 2022. Um, we are a program of Beauty Changes Lives and Beauty Changes Lives is a nonprofit as well. And what their, their role as Beauty Changes Lives is to grant scholarships for mm -hmm. people who want to go to beauty school. And what we are are the ones who after they get out of beauty school and want to change and go into a career setting, we're there to help them with their entrepreneurship. So and you go to we, Worth Up Alliance, yes. Okay, Worth Up Alliance, you got it. Yes. And I'm glad that you've joined Linnell and her team. Certainly oh know God, her well. Her so much, yes. I was the first ambassador actually for Beauty Changes Lives oh. when she first launched it. All right. Um, I remember how um, it made me just feel like the most incredible person to be a part of that organization because it was just so profound. There was nothing mm -hmm. like it. And yeah. I feel like that out of all of the salons that I've opened, out of all the products that I've developed, out of all of the celebrities I've had the opportunity to work on, all of the traveling I did with all the celebrities, that I think that the Worth Up Alliance is going to be the thing that's going to be my legacy. I, do. I love it so much. Yeah, I and do. I am here to help you too. So okay. anything that we can do to yeah. help. Thank you. You tap Thank into you. me because, you know, I think about it too. And, you know, I grew up in a super small town in Iowa and that's where my mom had her little beauty shop. And it really was the epicenter of the community. I mean, you get that you get your hair done at for prom, all the yes. weddings are there. Like, yes you socialize, you talk, you build friendships. And, yes. and I think that's why, you know, I'm so continually drawn to the industry is just because mm -hmm. I watched my mom do people's hair, even into the nursing home because they were with her for 40 years, you know? And so I think there's just something so beautiful about that in our industry. Yeah, there is. And, you know, if you're a hairdresser for a certain length of time, and you have clients that you've done for 20 and 30 and 40 years, right. just think of the things that, that, that you are able to be a part of. Yeah. You know, you um, are, are part of them going into college and 
graduating college and going to the workforce and Mm -hmm. then getting engaged and Mm -hmm. then getting married and then having children and then having grandchildren and then the boyfriend you know you know what I mean (laughs) yeah it's a special it's a special bond that there's not there's no relationship that a woman has that's like her hairdresser yeah I agree we know so much about their lives um we hear everything that's going on we you know sometimes when when a, a, a woman would come in and get her haircut with me it would really be the first time she had been touched in six weeks before that mm-hmm. from the yeah. last time that I cut her hair yeah it's and, an intimate sort of relationship in a way yeah, right I mean really, you're 100% in the is. space yes <laughs> yeah. yes and you know you hear things like you know, I knew that Angie was pregnant and I didn't even go tell Jason. Like, I didn't even tell my husband that Angelina was pregnant. <laughs> like, we Ooh. know things. Yeah, right. Things. And you're keepers of secrets, which is, yes. is a good role as well. A confidant, yes. you know. Confidant, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I love that you said you had a seven-year love affair with her. That's just so pessimistic with it me. That's so crazy. Incredible. You know, and I, I believe that women have different periods of their lives. Mm-hmm. And... Um, as a hairdresser, I always said that if I cut a woman's hair every six weeks, I'm with her. I have a thorough consultation every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because each time Check that in. I see her, she's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's yes. not the same woman. Yeah. So I know that I have to, um, I was in a certain period of Angie's life. And that's when we needed each other. Mm-hmm. I was in a certain period of Lupita's life. I was in a certain period of uh, Deborah Messing's life. You know, these these moments of my career are moments. And Mm -hmm. I'm so fortunate to have had those moments. Well, you are a special man. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I can see your love and energy. (laughs) Thank you very much. This has been a pleasure. Anything else that you want to touch on or we can go into our couple lightning round questions because I know you are. Yeah, I just want I just want to repeat again about the Worth Up Alliance. Yes, please do. um, We're looking for mentors. We if you go to worthupalliance.org, you'll see that there are nine videos up now that Jason Baki had um, um, interviewed uh, experts. Uh, we're putting together an, an entrepreneurial library that we're very, very, very excited about because what it's going to do is going to really help the next generation of beauty professionals sustain Mm -hmm. if there's something like this that happens again, because we were really kind of left out in the dark. We really were. There were no resources, nowhere to go. There was no one to talk to about it. And it's really disheartening. It is. And I'm glad that you took that, uh, that you both, took that and are turning it into something positive that, okay, yes. we learned, okay, yes. we got a yes. good lesson yes. on who's good here lesson. and who isn't. That's right. Yes. And so if nobody's going to stand up and do it, then you can use your influence yes. to do it. So Thank I think you. that's wonderful. Thank you, <laughs> Okay. So our quick takes, some are kind of silly. I'll do my and best. It's just, it's just a couple of them, but a list of questions that we ask everyone. So number oh. one, bar soap or body wash? Uh, body wash. Okay. All right. I like mm-hmm. it. Product that you're loving right now that's not yours. I'll show you. You ready for this? Wait, is it? It's not your water bottle you showed me. Does it? Oh. Okay. <laughs> Lysol. Okay. <laughs> I love the smell of bleach. <laughs> is this, is this, has this been a forever thing? 
or is this no way no, for okay. everything i love like it. there's something about smelling bleach i know i'm like yeah it's freaking clean man <laughs> And I know that's so weird. Like, I'm sure someone was thinking, oh, I'm sure Ted's going to say something you put on your face. <laughs> no, bleach. No, just Lysol. Good old plug Lysol for bleach. Lysol bleach. Lysol bleach. <laughs> I'm like that with vinegar. I like Are to you, I um, clean with vinegar because then I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It's like home. I like home. <laughs> okay, what are you streaming right now? It could be podcast, music, something on Netflix. Um, I go back and forth. Um, right now I am streaming um, the TV show Shameless. Okay, I like it. Yep, seen it. I'm, I'm a little late um, to okay. the game. Um, I'm going to actually start Game of Thrones again. Oh, um, Because okay. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and he just started it, and I'm like, oh my God, have you gotten to this? And he's like, no, not yet. I'm like, shit, GOT, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's so much to relearn. Like you could solidly watch it again and be like, what? I didn't yes. see that. How did I miss that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and there the storylines so and the families, so you're like, I can't. So good. So I want good. to see the Red Wedding again, yeah. Yes. Okay, real talk words of advice for pros who want to get to the top of our industry. Well, you know, I think that now is a time where the, the, the hairdresser is more educated than ever before because that we, we have access to so much. Mm -hmm. Like there's no excuse that anyone can't cut a great bob. And there's no excuse that someone cannot formulate hair color. There's Fair. no excuse. Yeah. No excuse because there's so much education. You don't even have to leave your house to be educated. Okay. And the last one, 2021 predictions for our industry. For our industry? Yes. Well, I truly believe that um, I'm working on something, Jason and I are working on something now that I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, it's a product. Okay. And the reason why I say it's very important is because we have to think about how we're going to get clients back into the salon. We have to really, really, really think about that. And it's not focusing on the things that she can have done at her house. Okay. I like right? the crypticness of this. Yeah, like, <laughs> like a haircut or a blow dry or maybe some highlights. <laughs> she can have that done at her house. Like, okay, we are in 11 months of the pandemic mm -hmm. and we know that women needed had to get their hair done. If they didn't get their hair done like March, April, they were starting to get their hair done in May. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So she's already in habit it takes 90 days to build a habit. She's already in habit of having someone come to her house. So how are we going to get her back? How are we going to get her back? All right. That's what we have to be thinking about. Yes. So it's professional products okay. that are frizz control, that are extensions, mm -hmm. that are things that are more difficult to do, that it takes more of a lengthier time to do, yep. she has to come to the salon for that. Yes. I like it. And I can't wait to, to hear what you've got up your sleeve. 
<laughs> All right. So that was it. Thank That's you it? again. That's it. Oh, I know. Oh, you. you so this was wonderful. It was wonderful to get to know you and more about wow. your story. And I feel like I know you already. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Thank you. Holy crap. I mean, you said yeah. it, but what is there to say? I mean, such energy. What an experience, like his entire career. Like, uh, how did we, I know. how did we, it happened. You talked to him. Wow. Uh, guys, like. Just a boy from Texas start? made it happen. Made it happen. And, and now damn, his did he make salon it happen. is like, he made it happen. His salon is like the only Amazon enabled salon in the world technology first he sees the future and i shall come to los angeles and sit in one of his clouds to uh -huh. get my hair done i'm gonna book an appointment in like august check out his amazing product on amazon as well i have ordered myself some texture meringue and i cannot wait for it to arrive at my doorstep ted thank you for being on the podcast you are absolutely phenomenal be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Stephen Joplin. Thank you to our creative team, Kay Reynolds and Haley Hefner, for putting together the graphics for this episode, and to Josh Landowski for editing this. Please watch and listen on YouTube.